Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 143, with Susan Manning uh, from Credly. We explore digital credentials, uh, which are a way to better capture the skills that students gain throughout their higher ed experience in whatever shape that takes. So I've been really interested to explore this topic more. Uh, so grateful for the time here to do so, uh, because I think it's an intersection of so many trends right now in higher education around uh, stackable credentials and uh, continuing education and needing higher ed to meet the future of work and the needs of employees to reskill, especially given the past two years. So uh, really great conversation. Uh, do connect with Susan and the work that Credly is doing to keep the learning going. Uh, but uh, without further ado, this is episode number 143, a bonus episode with Susan Manning. I am super excited for this episode, the first one that we are recording in 2022. Uh, we are continuing our exploration. It uh, was happening a lot last year of all the nuances and kind of undiscovered uh, countries in uh, the higher education e uh, ecosystem here. So uh, this one focusing on uh, credentialing, which is an area that I know I've just been observing, uh, I feel like has really blown up a lot lately. So uh, super excited to get into it a little bit more in depth here. Uh, but we will start out as we always do, Susan, if you want to uh, introduce yourself and give a brief overview of your professional background and how you got to be where you are today. I'm Susan Manning. My uh, role with Credly, right now my title is success strategist. It's, it's sort of morphing. I'm going back to my true education roots. And I actually started out in higher education in student affairs. Then I gravitated to teaching and focused on technology. And so I developed an expertise in online education, which put me in touch with people who were developing digital credentials. And that is how I kind of morphed into this role with Credly. Uh, it's been a very interesting career journey with lots of twists and turns, but fundamentally with helping earners discover what they could do, um, whether that was how they might use a target language that was a second to their native language or now developing what they can do with digital credentials. It sounds like yeah, there's a sort of through line of just, yeah, really investing in and thinking about and nurturing kind of just the learner experience and certainly now taking uh, a more liberal sort of point of view on that because anymore, you know, people are pursuing learning opportunities that take a lot of different shapes throughout their entire life. And uh, I'll, I'll let you explain more about it, but it's like, there is a sort of big question is like, well, how do we capture that? How do we make sure that we have a way to kind of uh, convey that. So if you want to explain briefly, just for everybody, um, give it a little bit more nuance and context, explain what Credly does exactly. Okay. So on the surface, Credly is the, the leading um, company in the digital credential movement. We help organizations issue digital credentials for things that learners are doing, whether it's hitting a milestone in some sort of corporate learning program or maybe in higher education, um, ha having an experience or completing coursework that might signal specific skills and competencies and put the earner in a situation where they can then take that credential and put it to use to find additional opportunities. 
So our mission is about bringing equity and access to all earners and what they might achieve and how they might use their credentials. But we do that primarily through helping organizations envision a credential system and then awarding those credentials. Yeah, and it's really fascinating that, you know, they're... Because I think existing now, you know, especially like if you're in a degree program, you're taking courses, you have a transcript and it would say like, yeah, you took leadership 101, but it's really unclear maybe what that means. And then again, yeah, there's so many other uh, experiences that uh, people are having and having a way to kind of codify what skills uh, that is giving you that makes it just really clear and compelling to you know, colleagues, whatever organization you're part of, or others, you know, just having that kind of translate and everything. Um, And I'm glad that you brought up the leadership area, because this is really timely. Leadership has changed during the pandemic, right? Everybody's been called to use some new skills or acquire some new skills in the area of leadership, too. So I just recently completed a certificate program that had to do with ethical and inclusive leadership. And it was organized by the fine folks at the University of South Florida. And it was really timely. The speakers that delivered the content were all called to do this during the pandemic. So that's a great example of where we can be really responsive in putting together creative content that is timely, but that also has some really nuanced skill sets that you're not going to find on that transcript if you just get the transcript from a university saying you completed a course. So we can get way more granular with digital credentials and the skills that they represent. Because I think it's the idea of just recognizing the place that like, you know, what a transcript does, uh, Mm that is important, but it's really kind of just like single function. It's just like, okay, you completed, you know, these credit hours, these grades, GPA and that sort of thing. And then, yeah, having this mechanism that, uh, you know, can be implemented to, I think you said, get down to that granular level of the skills that someone has and having that be, I think, so much easier to kind of match or just kind of see like, you know, are you in the territory in the ballpark of, you know, what a particular organizations are looking for, for a job or something um, right? and those sort of things. So, um, cause I, I think for me, what I, I wanted to spend some time on, uh, with this is I think like a big sort of catalyst and kind of driving force for, uh, credentials, especially lately as you know, in the past several years, uh, and even more so now is the reskilling needs of employees. Uh, so, you know, people who, maybe do have a degree in some field, uh, needing to make a pivot and, um, you know, on one hand, wanting to honor the, uh, skills and experiences that they've gotten up to that point, but then, uh, maybe getting into, you know, other learning experiences and wanting to kind of have that be, uh, sort of translatable to whatever they're pursuing. So I guess as much as you can kind of like get your arms around it, you know, that, that sort of big, reskilling need of employees in the US like what do you see as sort of the scope of that or you know whatever kind of context you can uh, give for that i guess would be uh, helpful to start there are a lot of different directions we could go in here <laughs> uh, let's just think about industries that are up and coming that perhaps there were no formal programs for education even 10 years ago 
So there are, there are skills that we need the workforce to have that are available now, but maybe in less traditional, like not necessarily you get a degree in this, but as we retrain our workforce, we need to have ways of getting quality education to earners in an accessible fashion. And that, that content needs to be up to date, state of the art, right? So there's that whole need in terms of reskilling. There's certainly all the millions of people who made choices about employment recently, deciding, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to make a change. I want to have a new career path. And I'm looking for opportunities where I can learn and reskill and reinvent myself. So lots of different earners who want opportunities, lots of different fields that need to be developed so that we can move into another era, if you will, of, you know, how we had the industrial age and the information age. What are we going to next? I actually heard this said the other day and and I'm blanking on on how it's going to be described, but I think that's where we're headed in terms of workforce development. And so now institutions need to get on board with developing that pathway for for the future learners. Right. Well, even that is the idea is like the future and, you know, people kind of share this sort of turn of phrase so many times where it's like, yeah, you have to like, you know, prepare for jobs that don't even exist yet or something. So it's like, okay, well, how can I Mm -hmm. capture skills that are just going to be fairly evergreen or more kind of adaptable and flexible and that sort of thing? Or, um, because I guess like where my mind's going with this is like, yeah, on one hand, it's like a lot of people, you know, great migration, you know, pivoting jobs, changing jobs for one reason or another. Um, then so many new industries too, to where like, because I, I think a big example for me would be like esports. You know, there's going to be a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's like a huge growing industry. A lot of people interested. And how can we get people working in that industry that that industry needs and have the skill? Because like, there's just going to be I think such a like sort of storming phase where like you know esports is like yeah we want all these experts who know all the things and it's like sure understandable but then like there's all these interested people and there's maybe perception on both sides of like a mismatch but uh if you can really break things down and be like okay well person interested in getting into the esports industry like you know if you kind of have this list of credentials you know skills and things that you have it could be a way to make it a way more clear match between that person and the industry that they're interested in and you know that that position that needs to be filled and that sort of thing. Yeah, like, do you see something like that kind of being uh, sort of yeah, like that's an opportunity a good, to hear? Yeah. That's a good example. And actually, when you said esports, it reminded me that a few years back somebody told me there was a scholarship for esports. And I I giggled. I didn't know that was re- I thought they were teasing me, <laughs> but they were serious. And then when I looked into it, uh, there's the whole sports management field, but then you add that layer of esports management too. A really on top of it institution that had a sports man- management program would have been building that esports 
segment into their curriculum right from the get-go, mm-hmm. as soon as they were aware this is emerging. At the same time, there are those foundational skills, those human skills, communication, collaboration that undergird everything. The E part is just the technical knowledge, if you think about it. So a responsive institution offers all of that together, but they're also not afraid to dive in before everything is figured out. Yeah. And it's like in that example too, it'd be that like you would help kind of push sort of the the boulder over the hill or something and hopefully kind of have it gain some momentum where like, yeah, like it's like, oh, you have a sports management degree. It's like, well, we're this, you know, esports company or whatever. Like maybe we don't feel like it's like, you know, that you would get it or be a good match, but it like you can break it down and have it be, uh, I think that much more compelling, you know, right. uh, for somebody to be a good match for a position there and that sort of thing where we have that company lay things out really clearly. It's like, we're looking for people that would have, you know, kind of verifiable skill sets in these areas. And it's, you know, a match to what you'd be able to get, you know, through, through a college and, you know, uh, exactly. Any any medium. Yeah. (laughs) If you're the earner, imagine you may have that degree, but then you may have also a handful of credentials that go beyond the degree that do speak to those skills that can be verified. So again, it's it's a layering on. It's like, you know, you get dressed in winter in Chicago and you throw on extra extra layers. Or sometimes when I walk my dog, I have two beanies on, not just one yeah. based on wind chill. <laughs> you know, you learn to make those choices. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, that's kind of like a funny like metaphor for it too, is kind of accessorize it. Because I think that even like, with my mind kind of connecting dots too, and I know you, you sort of get this as well, like coming up through student affairs is like, it's as much about what happens in the classroom as outside. So if you are like president of the gaming club while you were, you know, getting your degree in sports management, like that would add sort of like that additional layer where it's like, yeah, I didn't take a lot of like formal semester long courses in esports. Like maybe they only had like a couple of electives or anything at all, you know, but you know what I did do was these other extracurricular things that really helped shape you know, these different skills that I gained and yeah. that kind of being a bit of a, like an X factor for, um, you know, the type of opportunities that people would want to pursue. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, well, I guess just anything broadly, I feel like we were kind of hitting on this next question because I think in my mind too, and maybe you can kind of uh, put sort of the cherry on top or the, you know, just a little bit more uh, of like making it really clear, like what is the opportunity for higher ed to meet this need of, you know, people wanting to reskill, wanting to pivot in different positions. Cause for me, it's as much again about like the degree programs as it is about short courses, you know, boot camps or yeah, again, like really formative and thoughtful, like extracurriculars and things. So yeah, if you can just make it really clear, like what is the opportunity for higher ed to meet this need uh, through credentials? I think there are a couple ways that higher ed can do this. Um, but one is and I'm going to start with those experts who are teaching in higher education should be aware of additional credentials that sit outside of their institution, that if they could align themselves with those, it would be a value add to their students. An example that came up just um, through simple conversation, one of my digital credential customers 
was, uh, and it was an uh, institution of higher education, they were awarding credentials for X, Y, and Z. And then they realized students who completed a program, um, I don't remember how, what, what school it was in, but the students had the opportunity to test on Adobe Illustrator. And that threw them into the whole world of Adobe credentials. Mm-hmm. And this was already part of the curriculum. Why not start to promote that you get to walk away with this credential that verifies your skills that was also issued on our platform from Adobe? And so if you know that there are already industry-recognized credentials that are independent of your curriculum, bring them in. Make a pathway for the students to not only get their degree, but get these credentials at the same time. The other piece is if you if you look ahead to what is coming in the future in your industry, find ways to build that into the curriculum without having to wait two years for the curriculum committee to approve your textbook change. That, that was always something that irked me when I was teaching, mm-hmm. that I saw something coming. I wanted to make a quick shift in my course, and it had to go through a very formal review process. Um, and so I think higher education needs to look at that governance piece and make it a little more responsive. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that that like, you know, we could wax poetic about all these things, but like acknowledging the fact that, uh, yeah, they're not going to be as and uh, flexible say, and dynamic. Yeah. Back in the day when I was um, first teaching, it was in a not for credit program and I could be really responsive there. In fact, I remember I was teaching, um, I was teaching a speaking course to immigrants. So English speaking. And of course, we were going over pronunciation and um, we had them standing up and doing speeches. And I said, that's great. And I want to add an element where they're doing this digitally. This was way back in the day when Skype was pretty much the only game in town. Mm-hmm. So I literally had my friends and family available to be interviewed by my students and we would set up a Skype call and they would interact with different people um, or they would put together a digital presentation and and present that. But I could do that because it was not for credit. If that had been a for credit situation, I think it would have been harder to pull that off. Yeah, that's another good point too, is that I think there's so much for me sometimes when it's like you're trying to like build consensus or kind of get uh you know buy-in for things sort of acknowledging that there's some familiarity you know there's some connective tissue between things so like what you were saying before that a lot of people would understand appreciate the value and importance and relevance of you know other credentials and things that exist out there for like an adobe like you said mm-hmm. um and recognizes like well what if we could do that, but for more and people would be like, Oh, that is really interesting. And then the idea of like, you know, how responsive and flexible we've been able to be in our like short courses and other like certificates and stuff over in like, you know, school of continuing ed or whatever, you know, like they've been doing it for years or something. It's like, how can we incorporate more of that 
across right. campus, you know, and people be like, oh yeah, I guess that's a good point. You know, like that's obviously hopefully how those conversations go, but like, you know, you can, you can see that there's a precedent and see that there's, you know, that, that the relevance in a way to do it. It's not, you know, this uncharted territory. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's colleagues within your institution that are probably already kind of doing that work. And if you can kind of, you know, follow their, uh, follow their lead, you know, they've been modeling the way, uh, with this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it shouldn't, you know, these sort of learning experiences that give people more kind of parceled out, you know, credentials about all the things that they're learning, not just three credit hours and one line item on their transcript, you know, like it, right. Yeah. There's just so much opportunity there. Yeah. There are some very innovative programs where institutions have taken a topic and maybe they were able to get three courses approved in that topic. It's not enough to make it a minor. And it's not even enough to make it a certificate with the capital C academically, but mm-hmm. it is enough to award a micro credential after the student goes through those three courses and maybe they have a capstone project or something that is evaluated. It's not just uh, okay, I finished these and I automatically get it. There's usually an additional layer of rigor around that. Um, those are some exciting, innovative ways of addressing emerging skills and emerging fields of knowledge. And it's a kind of a shame too, is I, I imagine, I mean, just certain institutions, certain schools within like a university, but then even like just certain like you know, uh, industries or like, you know, content areas are just like, just probably so much more, um, prone to kind of include, uh, this sort of stuff than others. Cause they might be like, Oh, well that makes a lot of sense if you're like studying computer science, but like, you know, this is like an English program or like a philosophy, <laughs> like, you know, they might be like skeptical or something, but there, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there as well. And that, that that's well, there is, the I mean, yeah. th- that just goes back to the liberal arts. There are a lot of there's a, think about those human skills that mm-hmm. that employers are looking for that sometimes they say new employees new graduates don't bring a lot of those are honed in the liberal arts so how can we use our friends there to collaborate with the technical areas or the science areas where you might pull out some additional credentials yeah because that would be the shame is that it's like sequestered off yeah like well like you know it'd be like sequestered off you know where it's like oh look at all these great you know digital you know skill credentials that are being you know uh facilitated over here and then there's nothing yeah like in liberal arts or something and it's like no 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 like that would like give the receipts of being like oh you don't think i have like critical thinking skills like you know here you go um yeah but uh yeah i mean and, and just to kind of round out uh our conversation we'll hit on a couple more pieces after this but you know I guess it's kind of concisely as you can put it, like, what do you ultimately see, you know, just to make it kind of a, a clear case here, what do you see as the impact of, you know, being able to sort of facilitate this reskilling and capture it in a really clear way? Uh, what do you see as the ultimate impact of that? For higher education. Yeah, I guess yeah, I brought, yeah, context, like higher education yeah. first, and then that's going to sort of cascade from there, I guess, is maybe the, the most logical way to kind of like uh, well, structure it. Yeah. There is no doubt that there is a shift in hiring. In, in basic human capital management, companies are beginning to focus much more on the skills and competencies that 
not only new hires, but they're, they're workers inside their own companies. What skills do you bring and how do I know that? And how are you applying that? And how does that maybe relate to your next opportunity? And how can I help you get there? Higher education institutions need to maintain their position for readying the workforce, not just in technical skills, but also, you know, those human skills, those power skills, right? And while we we don't like to think of higher education as just a, a conduit in the market marketplace, there has to be value. When someone comes out of a degree program and they've spent an enormous amount of money and time investing in themselves, you want to think that they're going to be able to use those skills and acquire the life that they're, they've dreamed of, right? So I think it would do higher education good to focus on those skills that their graduates bring to the marketplace. And so there is this symbiotic relationship. Employers want to be able to verify those skills, and that is definitely growing. Higher education has the wherewithal to develop those skills and to help their earners document them in a verified way. So that so there's this relationship. There's a full circle there. And again, the earner develops those marketable skills, takes them to the marketplace. They're verified. And they open up one opportunity after another. Yeah, uh, that's my dream, I, anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a it's a very important one. It's uh, definitely important work because uh, yeah, I could get like sort of what you were alluding to is I think some people would think like, oh, well, doesn't this just like commodify education or something? Mm. You know, like they'd be sort of naysaying about it and. I mean, instantly in my mind, like, just as you were saying, I was like, no, like, honestly, like it is honoring the work so much more of what, like you said, like the time and the money, just like the the, the blood, sweat and tears that uh, somebody is putting into, um, you know, whatever learning experience that they're, they're going into, uh, it would be able to capture that and make it more compelling. And, you know, heading into the workplace, doing whatever sort of, uh, work with those skills it's basically kind of like the playground the sandbox that allows for you to kind of i mean just keep the learning going like it just shows you where you are and allows you to get where you want to be that much easier and yeah i mean it, it yeah it, it is so interesting though because i think like there's again sort of people waxing poetic about just like oh going to college for its own sake and like you know personal fulfillment it's like yeah i mean that happens but also like it capitalizes on learning that happens to allow somebody to yeah be gainfully employed working and utilizing those skills every day you know like that's a beautiful thing um, and i honestly think no one's going to have the opportunity to go to school and just learn for the love of learning if institutions can't stay afloat and they're not going to be able to stay afloat if they don't start being a little bit commoditized right, right. yeah it's a, it's a tough choice, especially, um, I think, for those just entering higher education, whether they're full-on adults going for the first time or right out of high school. I, my last degree was in adult education, and we talked about cradle to grave, and, and that was in 1990. <laughs> Oh my, oh my goodness, have I lived that? And I just see it continuing more and more and more now as my own children are in the workforce and 
the ongoing education they need to stay afloat in their professions and to move forward. It's, it's exciting. And there's no doubt higher education has a role to fill in terms of teaching people how to learn, teaching them those fundamental skills, and then having them, like one daughter has to do so many um, CEUs every year to maintain her license, right? So they, mm-hmm. they have this relationship of drawing her back so that she continues and, you know, she has that kind of affinity relationship with the institution. It's a good thing for the institution. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's another sort of like normalizing this sort of like lifelong learning, you know, that people have been talking about clearly for uh, decades Mm -hmm. uh, is like, you know, like you just, you got to keep up with it and that there is sort of like CEUs for a lot of people to stay current and everything like that is sort of like, I don't know, that that's the vibe. That's the thing. Like, it's just, you know, uh, doing that and then just having this like sort of like agnostic way, I guess, for me, like seeing like the work that you all are doing, like it's not, you know, because you might have like, oh, we have like this, you know, internal HR learning system or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, like you'd want the things that you do and the things that you learn to be agnostic of like any one place you worked at or something, you know, right. um, so you, you are much more than one employer or one degree. There are, there's a lifetime of learning that you can pull together. Well, uh, as we uh, wind down this episode, we always like to share out any uh, resources on this topic, stuff that uh, maybe, you know, credibly has to share that we could link out to, but just anything, podcasts, books, articles, anything you'd want to give a shout out to. Well, I think I would encourage people to pick through our credibly blog because often we'll surface emerging trends and write about that and provide additional links to those kinds of resources. So you can see the importance of digital credentials and how that fits together. Awesome. Yeah. We'll link out to uh, stuff on your blog there. And then uh, we always end the episode. uh, Last question of any final thought or call to action on this topic uh, to end the episode. If you are working in higher education, Think about how you can be nimble and agile and make friends in other departments so that you are offering timely opportunities to your earners that that they can pick up and use to market themselves. That would be my call to action. And I was actually just talking to my wife about that sentiment. Uh, So uh, thank you so much for bringing that up because I, I love it. I mean, that's so right on as like, you know, when you have really great conversations with colleagues and like, you could just start connecting those dots and talking shop and coming up with great ideas, you know, uh, cause it could be, yeah, be that thing where, you know, uh, some other area on campus is doing work in this space and they might be able to help sort of, uh, get you started and kind of guide you on the way. And, um, or even just, the, you know, you're going to build enough kind of consensus around like, hey, we're all kind of struggling or curious about, you know, similar things. Maybe we can kind of, you know, put our heads together and uh, try to get to work addressing them and all that. So, yeah, always great learning opportunities, collaboration opportunities to yeah, build those bridges, open doors and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, yep. So, um, 
Awesome. Well, uh, such a beautiful place to, to end at. Uh, thank you so much, Susan, for for hanging out and sharing all that you did. And uh, as always, we'll have ways to connect with uh, uh, you and your work there, Credly and everything we mentioned uh, in the show notes. So um, yeah, just thank you so much for your time. Great. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.